Cougs house. All right. By this point, you know Dana Holgerson is out as head coach of the Houston Cougars, but who will replace him as head football coach in the third ward? Hmm. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach Parker Ainsworth. to break down all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater who came to stop by, you're welcome to. But please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay us on the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. That's where you found us. It is so good to see you again. Remember to subscribe. Getting 1750 very quickly as the next giveaway, Mark. Uh, like and comment on the video. Let us know you're in the contest. If, after talking about replacements for one, Dana Holgerson, you just don't know what to say. You're more of a basketball guy or you are a Dana fan. There's Those people still exist somewhere out there. Tell me in the comments down below your thoughts on cranberry sauce. Now, I feel like we got a couple guys that are going to do it first. For today's episode, I want to talk about three different replacement candidates for one Dana Holgerson um, that are all kind of being rumored as favorites. And I say that because they're being consistently mentioned by reliable sources. Um, I will talk about them one at a time. The first segment is about Gary Patterson. Second segment is about Willie Fritz. And third and final segment about one Jeff trailer now i am not as high on some of these guys as everyone else um i have pros and cons for each one um and that's how we're gonna start today's episode we're gonna do other parts of the longer list of people that could fill this spot over the course of the week but i wanted to start with the favorites because frankly if there's a hire made this week it could very well be one of these three people. We'll get into that more as we get each one of them. But first, let's start with one, Gary Patterson. Gary Patterson is by far and away the biggest name on this list. Gary Patterson was the head coach at TCU for 21 seasons. Uh, most people don't put together that he was also the defensive coordinator there for the two seasons part of that. Uh, he spent some time kind of bouncing around, like one year here, two years there, as D coordinator in different spots, uh, as he was at Cal Lutheran, which is D3 school in 1987, uh, Navy in 1995, New Mexico for a couple of years right before he got to TCU, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right? But the big chunk, obviously, being at TCU from 2000 to 2021 when they mutually parted ways. Um, and after that, he would go on to be a, a special assistant at UT Austin and served kind of as a guidance role with Big 12 type Czar uh, for Sark and those guys. And he, he spoke, you know, kind of at length recently about how he learned as much from the Sarkeesian staff as he taught to the Sarkeesian. That was very much a two way street for him. He felt like um, in that TCU run, they went to a bowl game far more often than they did not. Um, they, let me count this up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. That can't be right. Is that 20 bowls? No. 19 bowls. 19 bowls. I mean, it's got 19 bowls across 21 years. Um, 
Obviously, TCU also went from nothing to a big-time something. In his first season at TCU, they were just 6-6 six and six in Conference USA. By his second season, they were 10-2, and two, winning the Liberty Bowl. By his third season, they were 11-2. and two. Um, Then they would move on to the Mountain West Conference, where he went 11-1, and 11-2, uh, took a year at eight and five, then eleven and two, twelve and one, thirteen and zero with the Rose Bowl victory, and eleven and two with the victory in the Poinsettia Bowl. Right, like very quickly went from nothing to something at a national level while being in a Group of Five conference. Right, he then went to TCU, uh, took TCU into the Big Twelve, had a rough first couple of years, but by twenty fourteen was winning the Peach Bowl, going twelve and one. By twenty seventeen, they went eleven and three. Right, like things kept on rolling. He did, however, have a rougher last couple of years at TCU as the head guy. He went seven and six, five and seven, six and four, three and five. Before they ultimately decided to part ways, he and TCU both decided to just not renegotiate the contract any further. Uh, TCU moved on. They would go on to get to the nat- college football national championship with a lot of guys he recruited on that roster in twenty twenty two. Gary Patterson has been quoted as saying, you know, again, he has learned a lot from Sarkeesian staff about modern college football. He has talked about how, like, that opened his eyes to a lot of the way things are being done now and the most effective ways to do it now because he was at one place for so long. Um, he, as far as pros in him, I see that he has built a program literally from scratch. He has transitioned that program into the Big 12. He has a success at every one of those transitional points. He's done it while doing it in the state of Texas. He's recruited the state of Texas. He's a legend of the state of Texas. And I said on the bonus pod on Sunday that I don't know that there's a Kel- it's a realistic to expect a Kelvin Sampson type guy to fall in your lap. But Gary Patterson is a Hall of Fame caliber college football coach that is kind of floating out there without a job right now and it's kind of in your backyard and that he's a special assistant that just finished his gig at UT Austin, right? So it's not quite the same thing, but it's a very similar thing as I see it. Um, his biggest thing he did while he was at TCU, the biggest pro I see, is in recruiting the state of Texas. Not Dallas, to Fort Worth. He pulled in kids and was able to find diamonds in the roughs and convert athletes to ways that they would be successful and ultimately even become NFL football players. He would find safeties that were originally two-star linebackers in high school and make them all-conference safeties winning Rose Bowls. He would find wide receivers that played running back in high school. He would pl- find a, a slot corner that played wide out. He he would find defensive tackles that played offensive center. Like He found all these different guys and was able to convert them into all-conference, all-Big 12 conference at times, caliber players because he had an eye for talent and ha- could see how to fit a guy's skill set into what they did and be successful. Obviously, having the Dalen Thompson helped a lot at one stretch there, right? Like, like things help. Uh, having get good athletes come through helps, but those good athletes still exist in Texas. And I think being able to net those guys helps as well, especially with the way his name carries that kind of weight. Um, he's not a flawless candidate. Uh, he is 63 years old. How long would he be here if he were here, right? He's not a young pup. Um, he is a defensive-minded coach. College football has changed even in the time he's been away, let alone the time since they were last very, very successful at TCU. What would the offense look like? What would the offensive staff look like? Now, he has told people that will listen that he has a staff filled out. Like, he has a staff ready and waiting for, to get the phone call saying, here's where we're going, right? Um, but I feel like personally that the only way to combat those cons of his, his age and his offensive staff would be to have a young 
offensive coordinator that has head coaching qualities. That way you could get five, six, maybe seven years out of Gary Patterson and then transition and keep the thing rolling by handing it off to the next guy and have that transition go smoothly to keep the program building, right? Obviously, you could always just completely rehire a new guy, but I could see how that would be an important part of his staff and make sure the transition of the program moving forward is clean because I'm giving it seven years. It's probably closer to four, right? Just being a 67, 68-year-old year guy, guy coaching college football is a lot to ask. The other thing I will say is that when he was leaving TCU, he, like a lot of college football coaches, has had negative things to say about NIL. We know that Houston needs to continue to build those programs um, and do, you know, continue to do well in, in rewarding our student athletes and, and finding ways to compensate them with NIL dollars, right? Uh, it's a big part of how you lose kids in the transfer world. It's a big part of the college football world today, and it's not going away. What I will say is when I hear him talk about things he's learned at UT Austin, UT Austin has a lot of money flowing to those kinds of things. And I would hope that one of those things you take away is at least how important it is, even if it's not something you like how important it is, right? Now, I say all that to say that I feel like when I was hearing stuff about things being changed in the staff and I had some bad information or just not up-to-date information about what's going to happen with hirings and firings, there was a serious thought to bring Patterson in as a defensive coordinator and the stuff wasn't up to snuff next season, mid-season. You could just pull the swap right away then, cut the head coach, let interim head coach Gary Patterson take over and get your look at it. I feel like those connections are still strong. I have been validated in that by saying football scoop. If you don't know football scoop, it's a football coaching website run by football coaches that talks all about different football coaching moves and openings, frankly, across the country at all levels of football they are connecting Gary Patterson to this job as well. It sounds like a lot of people think like if Gary wants it, it might just be the only favorite because, frankly, who knows if he even wants to head coach anymore at 63 years old. But it does make him one of three. We've got a couple more to jump into. But first, we've got to talk about what other things you could be jumping into. And around Houston, while it's no more college football games this season, basketball games, pro football games, uh, theater, music, all kinds of things to jump into. If you want to go to any of those kinds of things, you need to go to Game Time, download the app today, and get tickets to those events. they got cool features where you can go on and like say, hey, I want to sit in roughly this section. And they find you a row and pair of seats and you get an average of 18% savings if you just let them do the hard work for you on that point. If you want to pick your own seat and kind of see where you're sitting from, they'll also show you exactly what the view looks like from every seat in the arena. They show all kinds of cool aspects. Um, they have everything, for, again, from comedy to music to theater to all different sports games happening around the age. Everything happening in Houston, you can do it through Game Time. So go to Game Time, download the app today. Uh, from the Game Time app, you use code Locked On College. You get twenty dollars off your first purchase. That's code Locked On College. L O C K E D O N C O L L E G E for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices, guaranteed. All right, I want to talk some about a guy that I think Houston fans know the name of very well because he's been in the conference. Uh, I guess he was in the conference Houston for a hot minute. And he frankly turned Tulane from a uh, a doormat into a team that's knocking off Power Fives and New Year's Six Bowls, and that is one Willie Fritz. Now, Willie Fritz, um, I think, is 
not on every school in America's board. He is on contract for a while at uh, Tulane. Uh, he is also 63 years old, weirdly enough. Um, and he's a son of a coach. He's been coaching since his blood. Um, and while they don't have to report their salary, it does appear that he has a contract extension that publicly has been extended through 2027, although with a actually see that pushed even farther. And it looks like after and uh, you know the success they had last season, 2022, he was making about 2.1 million last year. So you got to expect to pay some sort of a buyout with Tulane on that. I'm sure if you want to bring him to Houston. You're looking at paying about two a year for four or five years, like those kinds of things, right? To get him out of, uh, out of Tulane. Now it won't be exactly that because I'm exactly how a buyout works, but you're going to have to pay to get him out of there. What I do think is interesting looking at Willie Fritz, though, is that frankly he beat your butt a year ago and like beat your butt with backup quarterbacks and all kinds of fun stuff last year. Um, he also, though, I think the biggest I'm looking at pros and cons, right? Um, the biggest pro that sticks out from him is across his career, he is a winner. He won at Central Missouri, a Division II school. Um, there were some things tailing off by the end of his tenure there in the late aughts, but he found ways to win at Central Missouri. Um, he went to Sam Houston State and very quickly took them from 6-5 and five his first year to 14-1 and one his second year and playing in the FCS uh, championship game. Uh, ultimately losing to that like powerhouse that is South, uh, North Dakota, North Dakota, South Dakota, one of the Dakotas. Uh, he went to that game twice in four years, very quickly got that program turned around at St. Houston State. He had a quick stint at uh, Georgia Southern before jumping over to Tulane. And his two years at Georgia Southern, they won a combined 17 games across the two seasons and made a bowl game appearance. At Tulane, it took a little time. We'll talk more about that in a second. But he went 12-2 and two last year, obviously, with a big win in the Cotton Bowl over USC and Heisman Trophy winner Caleb Williams. And then this season is currently sitting at 11-1, 8-0 in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, they play in the conference title game next week, or this upcoming weekend. Now, I will say, if Fritz is the guy, or Fritz is very serious to be con considered for the guy, I bet you don't hear about a move until after the weekend at the very earliest because he is a very uh, classy individual. He's a very high uh, integrity individual. He won't let that become a distraction for his program as they enter a conference championship game. I just don't see him finding ways to let that get out. I feel, see him and his people and Tulane and everything keeping that pretty hush-hush if that is the move or if he's involved in the move. He's a winner that's been everywhere. He also, as a one that's been everywhere, has been particularly tied to this region. That's another big pro for him. Um, he was at Sam Houston State as a GA out of, out of college. Um, he went, actually, to Pittsburgh State, which... Um, but he was a GA at Sam Houston State. He coached at Willis High School. Um, he was would then go back to be a DB's coach at Sam Houston State, was a head coach at Blinn, would then be the head coach at Sam Houston State. He's been in this region for what it's worth. The Tulane recruiting ground is also the same region we're looking at recruiting for the University of Houston. And he's found athletes that help him win games at each of those stops again, right? And so really, really strong foundation in this area. You also have to feel like, if you are a fan of the way the offensive line progressed between 
last season, 2022, and this season, 2023. Um, Imani Gavi worked for him in Tulane in 2022. I imagine there's some consistency there. And while I don't necessarily mean that, like, next guy, that's completely up to the next guy. Like, I love Brian Early. I think it's very clear that he's one of our best position coaches. But the next head coach ought to get to pick his D-line coach. And while I can make an argument for Brian Early, I'm not going to pick him for him, right? I feel the same way about Nagavi and, uh, and Fritz, frankly. While they clearly had something going that one year at Tulane, if Fritz wanted to bring in his newer people, different people, say, hey, now I got P5 money and get better people, whatever, it is up to, ultimately up to him. Um, but some consistency there could be nice. That's what I'm, I'm getting at here, right? Um, I also think it's worth pointing out as far as um, – positives that come with this guy are that he is a defensive-minded coach. Um, his All his positional stops are on the defensive side of the football. Um, he actually only spent a couple seasons as D coordinator at Coffeyville Community College up in Kansas again. Um, but he is a very defensive-minded guy. Um, and I think that when you look at winning in the Big 12 going forward, like the way the conference is constructed moving forward, um, you're kind of seeing this pendulum swift sh- uh, shift in football, right? The Big 12 was the peak of all the offense in the early teens, early 20 teens. You're seeing it kind of come back now to where like, ooh, yes, the scores are in the 30 because they're playing a lot more snaps per game, but the amount of snaps per score is kind of slowing down relative to what it was like seven or eight years ago. And so, you know, bringing a defensive-minded coach could be really impressive and important there. I also think while... You'll have to buy him out at Tulane. As far as like contractually, while you're paying Dana his buyout out over the next few years, you could realistically afford to all, you know, two and a half, three million um, plus games. Um, and, you know, you can kind of keep that all under where it's like a more manageable load because for whatever reason, he's not mentioned for things like, the AM job or the Indiana job or the Kentucky job. I guess Kentucky's not technically open because they didn't hire Stoops. But you feel me on that, right? Like he's not being mentioned nationally for these other Power Five programs. You'd be his first Power Five step. Thus, I think you could kind of get him at what may look like a bargain a couple years from now. Now, as far as cons go, um, it's a short list, right? Fritz is a good coach. I don't mean to say anything that he's not. Um, but at Tulane, winning did take some time. Um, he went through a six-year stretch with two seven-win seasons, and those were his best seasons. Now, um, obviously, Tulane needed a massive turnaround. Winning four games in his first season was progress, right? Um, but I do worry about taking a long time to turn around this Houston Cougar pro- program, um, whether it's because of comp straight line, we don't know what college football looks like in 2030, or whether it's uh, honestly you're dealing with the city of Houston, the competitors are coming in and stealing your recruits every single day from UT Austin, College Station, Baton Rouge, Norman, or bigger. I mean, the quarterback from Willis is going to Florida next year, right? Um, all that could be, uh, you know, problematic as far as like taking time to build this program up. How far? How long can you take? before you become like, you know, the Kansas of, and not the Kansas has actually been good the last two years, but you feel me in the big 12, because like you're already kind of being labeled a basketball school. Right. And I like the basketball team and I'm a basketball guy. Uh, frankly, I I'm looking forward to talk about it, Xavier game later this week, but that's a danger in this, right? 
the Power Five conferences before as a head coach in one-off games or bowl games. It's a totally different beast to knock off a Power Five team, um, especially a bowl game. We have like a month to prepare. The week-in, week-out grind, while I don't think he was right about everything by any stretch, I think Dan Olkerson did hit the nail on the head with like that week-in, week-out grind is a different kind of beast transitioning from the American Athletic Conference to the Big 12. We saw it hit Cincinnati. We saw it hit Central Florida. And we saw it hit us. I do think that that is something I I wish we'd seen Fritz have some experience with because he's not only never head coached in the Power Five, he's never assistant coached in the Power Five. Like the entire, like, not. I don't know the game planning, the, the the all the different types of athletes you're working with and dealing with and covering on the defensive side and so on. Like that's something he hasn't had any experience with, even on the assistant coach level. Um, and so that is a little bit different because even when he was at Sam, Sam was FCS when he was there, right? So it's a little different. Um, would wish he had that on his resume because I think he's good. I just I'd feel more comfortable if it wasn't. Now, one guy that has a little bit different resume as well, but we've seen up close and personal for a couple of years, much like Fritz, is Jeff Trailer. But before we talk about Jeff Trailer, we're talking about guys here that are favorites. And if you feel like you understand favorites, you can go to fanduel.com because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with, by putting down any $5 winning the money line bet. It's $150 but $150 if your team wins on the money line. Now they have our Houston Texans as a 3-point favorite at home next week against the Denver Broncos. I think that's I'm thinking Tank Dell catches a couple touchdowns. I think that's three points easy. But the money line is at plus at plus one twenty eight Denver minus one fifty two Houston. Feeling pretty good about that. If you're more of a college hoops guy, well, I can't give any money lines yet. They haven't put down the Xavier line quite yet. Houston is at plus two thousand to win the national championship. When you go to the final four, Houston's at plus four thirty. I think both those are great odds. I think both those are things you need to go check out at FanDuel. Dot com. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn kick off the season this year. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, so Jeff Trailer has been a common name thrown around basically every coaching job in Texas and the J. The long, successful high school coaching career at Gilmer, Texas, or Gilmer High School in Gilmer, Texas, uh, from 20, 2000 to 2014, couple different high school coach of the year type things, in charge of, it wasn't a union, but like spoke on behalf of the coaches. A couple of, he's a well-respected high school coach. Um, he went to UT Austin and coached tight ends from 2015 to 16, SMU coach running backs in 17, Arkansas coach running backs in 2018 and 19, and has been at UTSA as the head coach ever since. He's 55 years old, so actually older than Dana, but younger than the guys we talked about so far today as far as the favorites go across the nation. Um, he did sign a, a contract extension through 2031 and 2021, and it looks like he's getting paid about $2.8 million annually. Now, I don't have the contract details in front of me as far as like what the buyout on that would be, but that can get a little challenging financially. Not impossible, as we've seen. Even the things that we think might be impossible, <clears throat> Dana, might not be so impossible, but that is something worth noting. The thing that trailer brings, I think that people like is that he has an energy about him. Um, in just a couple seasons at UTSA, he's made them very, very much a player and group of five football. Um, one that will knock off the occasional power five team and frankly played Houston very competitively last two seasons. Now, Jeff trailers, uh, college career was just 
as a head coach is just, I guess, technically wrapping up its fourth season. Uh, his first season at UTSA was seven and five, but then in 2021, he went 12 and two. 2022, he went 11 and three. And this season, he went eight and four. Um, he's been to bowl games in each season. He's been a head coach. Uh, UTSA, for what's worth, has not had a football program all that long. Not, not, not had a Division I FBS program. Has not had a football program for all that long. Um, I think people think, frankly, think of their success as being entirely Jeff Trailer based, but they don't have a history of anything. Poor play, good play, anything, right? Um, now, Trailer, while he's been there, has uh, again connected with staffs across the state of Texas. Very connected in North Texas, he has been Power Five staffs, even though he has not been a Power Five head coach, um, and he saw one transition at UTSA from. Conference USA to America Athletic Conference. And I think because Houston did that once upon a time, I think it's safe to say that we've seen ourselves how that is a step up, not unlike going from the American to the Big 12. So he's oversaw that. It went very well for him, right? Again, they went from 11 and 3 in Conference USA in 2022 to 8 and 4 in the American Athletic Conference this year. Um, clearly, things stepped on up. The cons of Jeff Trailer. And I think he's a lot of people's favorite because we've seen him and we've seen competitive games with him and so on. I felt like in preparing to play him or preparing to watch the Houston Cougars play him the last couple of seasons doing this podcast, the offense was very athlete dependent. Um, it was simple things that work when you have talented dudes. And that works really well when you have more talented dudes than the rest of your Conference USA opponents. And I say to say that like, I wonder how long it takes to transition that offense to a Big 12 offense because it's going to take you some time to go get those more talented dudes. It just will, right? Um, and I think that it's an offense that requires good athletes. It's also an offense we've really only seen run with one quarterback successfully, and that is Frank Harris. He's had Frank Harris, who's been in college a bajillion years, the entire time he's been there, right? Um, we've also saw kind of some cracks in the armor as Frank Harris uh, was not the quarterback or was an injured quarterback at different points, right? We saw how the offense didn't quite look like itself at the start of the season when they played Houston. They only scored 14 points, and we know Frank Harris is coming off of a summer of injuries, right? Um, for what it's worth, when the thing was clicking, Frank Harris was having gamer-type moments, like 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 the kind of things that like you, you see put up on display, like uh, video montages talking about UTSA football for decades to come-type gamer moments, right? In in terms of translating that to being a head coach somewhere else, you're relying on him bringing in more Frank Harris-type guys relative to your level of competition. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm saying i got no evidence that he can. His Power 5 stops are all his assistant coaches, but he has Power 5 stops, unlike Willie Fritz. But his Power 5 stops were uh, UT Austin when they were bad, 2015 and 16. SMU for a year, Arkansas when they were bad, and each of those places they cleaned house afterwards. And so I just, I look at it and I worry about translating that to the next level, right? Because that could very quickly become the kind of thing where you're making an investment on what you think something is versus what something actually Time to wait around and see what Trey looked like with a new quarterback, what Trey looked like with a new 
set of offensive skill guys, what Trailer looked like, frankly, after a couple years in the American Athletic Conference. We don't have that kind of time. So you're trying to make projections based on what you've got. Now, I say all that to say that of these three favorites, Gary Patterson, Willie Fritz, and Jeff Trailer, I was hearing the most significant buzz about Gary Patterson because he has no buyout, because he is could have been the defensive coordinator at the point I was hearing about him, and because he is so connected and such a he's like a combination of a splash name hire and a guy uh, that does the dirty work, turns athletes into successful athletes, turns you know the corners into wide receivers type thing that we talked about before, right? The eye for the talent. Um, I'd love to hear of the favorites who you got down below. As we continue to look down the list of more and more people that could get this job at some point in the very, very near future, could be days, could be less than, you know, 10 days, maybe two weeks. Um, tell us in the comments down below if you've got other people you want to see on other versions of this list. Because again, I think these three guys are the most credible favorites. I don't think they're the only people out there by any stretch. I would love to hear who you think gets this gig because we both know how strong of a gig this one can be. How it's a great recruiting base, how it's a great recruiting city, how it's a fan base hungry for a good football team, how Frank when things are rolling like they were in the 80s, you can really roll through the rest of the state. Um, the new football built facilities building, uh, operational facilities buildings going up, all of those kinds of things. But we need to have the right guy steering the ship. And if it's one of these three, let me know. If it's someone else, let me know. Thank you all so much for listening to Locked on Kooks today. We appreciate you making us your first listen of the day. Uh, if you're looking for another listen, I go to Locked on Big 12. Drake is upset that Houston fired their coach and Baylor did not. It's a really, really funny episode. So go check that out. Thank you all so much. Locked on Cougs is a prominent Locked podcast network. And that means your team, our Cougs, no longer Dana's Cougs. Every day, go Cougs.